great to see you today. And uh, the basketball thing up here is for the upward celebration, which will happen in the next service. So we want to be praying for them. I know we'll have a lot of guests here, and so hopefully uh, we'll have a great opportunity to present the gospel. So just a reminder, our Easter services two weeks from today will be at 830 and 1030. On the back of your bulletin, I think it has 930 and 1030. And so we're going to have to check on that uh, proofreader. Brenda always gives me the bulletin and me having faith in my wife. Looks good, honey, looks good. So anyway, my bad. So it's 8.30, 10.30, two weeks from today, all right? So I just want to remind you today, probably something we've learned since we were a child, that God loves us. I want you just to turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you just the way you are. Turn back to your neighbor and say, not as you should be. How many of you know we got some things we're working on? Yeah, yeah. But God loves us just like we are, not as we should be, because the truth is, on this side, I'm never going to be like I should be. And so to receive that God loves you through the process is an incredible gift. I just cannot tell you how many people beat themselves up all their life because they're not where they should be, and they never receive the love of God. That's so sad because God loves us just like we are, again, not as we should be because the truth is, I mean, if anybody should have it together, it should be me. I've been in ministry 42 years. I should have arrived, but I find myself with more issues now than I think I had 10 years ago. But aren't you glad that God loves us unconditionally? That's why I've always been taught the love of God is unconditional. And yet in my mind, I put conditions on the love of God. If God's love is unconditional, what does that mean? It's unconditional. He loves you just like you are. And if you can receive that, what an incredible gift that is. So we've been talking about amazing grace and what a great song Someday in heaven, I think around the throne, we're going to sing Amazing Grace. That's just my opinion. We're just going to just sing how amazing it is that God loved us just like we, we were in life. Again, just kind of defining, let's say together, mercy is not getting the punishment I deserve. Grace is the getting the blessings I don't deserve. Can I tell you, if there's anybody on the planet that does not deserve the grace of God, it's me. But that's grace. Grace has given us what we do not deserve. That's the love of God. I want to begin with a question here, kind of a trivia question. When is the first time the word grace appears in the Bible? I know it's 930. Your mind's not all the way kicked in yet, all right? But I want to give you a hint, all right? I'm going to give you a hint, all right? Does anybody have a thought of when it might be? You guys are getting it now, all right? So it was back in the time of Noah, all right? So the Bible says in Genesis 6, verse 8, the Lord was sorry that he made man on earth, but he goes on to say, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. How many of you have heard that gospel song, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord? I'd sing it for you, but you still would not have heard it, all right? Because it wouldn't sound the same. But anyway... Uh, that's the first time the word grace is found in the Bible, at least King James. I think, uh, some translations have favor. The Amplified Bible says grace and favor. 
But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the interesting thing about that, we know nothing about Noah before he's mentioned here. I mean, as far as we know, he did nothing to deserve the grace of God. But it says the Lord found grace, or Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's the first time grace is found in the Bible. Hebrews encourages us not to miss grace, all right? And so it says in Hebrews 12, let's read together. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Because if you're basing the grace of God on your performance, you're never going to get it. Because you're always going to be something you're working on on this side. So if you're basing God's blessing and God's grace on your performance, you're never going to get it. So I hope you guys don't mind, even though I have my imperfections, if I, I receive the abundance of grace today. Because that's the love of God. God wants to give it to you along the journey, not because you deserve it, because you don't. But that's what grace is, all right? So grace has given us what we don't deserve. I love how it says in John 1:17. let's read together. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Moses brought the law all about performance. Jesus brought grace and truth, all right? Is God's grace fair from a human standpoint? Now, there were a couple of people, how many of you are afraid to answer? Y'all are looking around at each other, I don't know what this is. I'm just going to go and give you my opinion. No! It isn't fair. Because I look at how God's blessing and how God blessed. it doesn't seem fair. Why? Because I don't deserve it. I'm going to tell you from a human, human standpoint, you do not deserve the grace of God. That's why it's grace. By the way, before we have our meal, what do we do? We pause and say grace. All right, why do we say grace? God, we don't even deserve this food, but thank you for your provision. The truth is, you don't deserve anything. Based on your performance, I don't deserve, I should say me, all right? Y'all look way more spiritual. <laughs> I don't deserve anything. The fact that God loves me as I am, not as I should be, the fact that God wants to shower me his blessings not based on my performance is grace. I mean, when you get it, you're not going to wait till you have it all together before you enjoy the Lord because you're never going to have it all together. All right, let's get into this. By the way, that last, I didn't, the verse in Matthew there says that God makes the sun shine on the just and the unjust. He makes it rain on the just and the unjust. I mean, God's grace is across the boards, all right? So in Luke chapter 15, there were some Pharisees and scribes. Uh, they were performance-driven. And by the way, these Pharisees were the ultimate performers. I mean, they had the first five books of the Bible memorized by the time they were five or 12 years old. How many of you remember memorizing the first five books of the Bible? And they began with Leviticus. I mean, that is, I mean, it took me a while to, to memorize Leviticus. I don't even have a desire to. Does that, does that sound bad? I, I don't even, that's not even on my bucket list to memorize Leviticus. So pray for me, all right? But anyway, these guys were the ultimate performers. They thought God, they deserve God. It's surprising how many people are basing 
God's blessing on their performance. I have the privilege of doing funerals for so many people who don't have a church home. I always do it if I can. I always love to meet with the family. And almost without exception, when I meet with the family, they begin to tell me all the good things their loved one has done. And that's good. I mean, that's okay. And I listen. And I, that's awesome. But what they're saying is, because of all these good things, somehow they deserve God's blessing. But can I tell you the one question that really counts is, did they receive Jesus Christ? Because we don't go to heaven because we're good. We don't go to hell because we're bad. We go to heaven because we realize we, we can't do it and we receive the gift of, of eternal life. All right, let's get in. So these performers, they were kind of upset because Jesus was hanging around sinners. They don't deserve God's time. They've done nothing to deserve it. They didn't get the love of God. They didn't get agape love. They were so performance-driven. But I'm just telling you, if I'm being real, it's amazing how many people are performance-driven and they somehow believe if they can just perform enough, God will accept them. That's sad. Because you're never going to perform enough. And so Jesus, the tax collectors and sinners, drew near to Jesus to hear him. Isn't it interesting that lost people, sinners, felt comfortable around Jesus? Not because he ex accepted their sin, but he loved them. They somehow felt the unconditional love of God. What an incredible gift. Because they didn't deserve it. But neither did the Pharisees. But they, they thought they did because they were performers, all right? So they were complaining, and they made a statement about Jesus. It's one of the greatest statements about Jesus anywhere in the Bible. This man receives sinners and eats with them. That's true. Aren't you glad that Jesus receives sinners and wants to hang out with them? By the way, how many times have they accused us of that? Sometimes we're so busy performing, we forget the people who really need Jesus. And so he, he didn't get it, so he speaks this parable, singular. The story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son make up one parable. Now, we sometimes preach them separately, and that's okay, you can do that. But if we're being honest with the text, it's one parable. So the story of the lost sheep, lost coin, the lost son make up one parable. And I'm just giving you my opinion because they were complaining about Jesus hanging around these sinners. I think he was trying to somehow through this simple story try to remind them how much God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and God the Father loves lost man. And it isn't based on their performance it's based on his unconditional love. All right, so let's jump into this. Hey, first of all, again, the story of the lost sheep, lost coin, lost son makes up one parable. All right, so kind of tuck that away in the back of your mind. The lost sheep, a very familiar one. Uh, let's read it together. What man of you having a hundred sheep if he loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. So we find a persistence. But we find this, now again, this is to me a reminder of how much God the Son loves lost man. He is the good shepherd. The good shepherd was willing to leave his home in glory, come down to this earth, and it says in the Gospel of Luke, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. You know, growing up in church, I was always told if you're the only one, Jesus would have died for you if you were the only one who sinned. 
I never knew where it was in the Bible, but this is it. If you were the only one, if you were the only sheep that went astray, he would love you so much that he would have come and died for you. They didn't understand why he was hanging around sinners. They didn't understand the love of God. They didn't understand the heart of God. It wasn't based on their performance. It was based on his love. Can I tell you, that sheep did not deserve the shepherd's love. I mean, but he was willing to seek that sheep out. Now, unlike the shepherd, if I finally found that sheep, I would start scolding it. How many of you have ever scolded a pet who ran off? Now, I know you guys are spiritual, and you sing victory in Jesus every time something's wrong. But if I finally found the sheep, I was like, where have you been? And if anything, I would make the sheep ride me home. But the Bible says the shepherd put the sheep up on his shoulders. Can I tell you, that sheep did not deserve to be put on the shepherd's shoulders. He did nothing to deserve the love of the shepherd. Can I tell you that Jesus took our sin on his body on the tree. He was willing to put us on his shoulders because we could not save ourselves. That's love. That's grace, that the shepherd was willing to find this lost sheep. It's a reminder that God the Son could not love you anymore. And it's not based on your performance. He loves you. That's unconditional love. He loves you for who you are, not as you should be. That is so hard to receive because we're so performance-driven. So the sheep received the grace of God, not because it deserved it, it did not deserve it. But that was the love of the shepherd. The story of the lost coin, I believe, is a reminder of how much God the Holy Spirit loves us. The son was willing to leave his home to come down to seek and to save that which is lost. The love of the Holy Spirit, he's willing to light a candle inside of this dark, dirty heart and just point us back to God. So it says, what woman having ten uh, silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? So we find the shepherd diligent in finding the one lost sheep. We find the woman inside of her house looking for this coin. The fact that she lights a lamp, what does that tell you? It's, it's dark, all right? The Bible describes our heart as being in darkness. The fact that she had to sweep her house tells you what? Wasn't a good housekeeper, all right? So she had to sweep the house, she had to light a lamp, but she sought diligently until she found that coin. You know, that coin did not deserve that diligence. But aren't you glad that God the Son loved us enough to come and to seek and to save? That he loved us enough to die on Calvary and take our sin on his body on that tree. And without the love of God the Son, you could not, I could never be saved. But I also want to tell you, without the love of God, the Holy Spirit shining a light in my heart and convicting me and pointing me back to God, I could never be saved without the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is trying to say to these guys, if you could only know how much God the Son and God the Holy Spirit loves lost man. But the parable goes on to give maybe the more familiar story. And so this coin, it did not deserve the grace of God, but again, because of the love of God the Holy Spirit. And then he gets to maybe the most familiar of the stories, the prodigal son. So let's kind of buzz through this real quickly. You guys have to listen real quick. 
And we often think the prodigal son is the main character, but I believe it's the father. Because in the story, it's the love of the father for the son who's gone astray. So again, the lost sheep is the story of God the son, how much he loves us. The, the lost coin is a reminder of how much the Holy Spirit loves us. And this story is how much God the Father loves us. Let's read together. So Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth with wild living. Can you imagine how cold that is? Can you imagine going to your dad and say, Dad, I, I just can't wait till you die. I've been waiting around for the inheritance. Would you, would you mind just go ahead and giving it to me? That's cold. Reminds me of the story of the little kid that went up to his grandpa and said, Grandpa, can you make the sound of a frog? And he said, well, I, I suppose I can. Why? Well, because grandma said, when you croak, we're going to get to go to Disney World. So he comes up to his father and says, Dad, I, I mean, how cold is that? I, I can't wait for you to die. Can you give me the inheritance? I mean, that kid ought to be slapped. That's ugly. How many of you would have a sermon somewhere in there? I mean, you may not even quote a scripture, but you'd have something to say. And so the father gives him his portion. Wow. I mean, that is about as cold-hearted as you can get. So after he spent everything, there was severe famine in the whole country, he began to be in need. And the Bible says he went down and began to feed hogs. Now, when a, when a Jewish boy goes down to the hog pen, he's hit bottom. I mean, that is about as low as you can get on the totem pole. By the way, how many of you have ever been around hogs? All right, country people. All right, I grew up in the city. I grew up in the city about as far removed from hogs as you can be. When I came out to pastor in Gerald back in 1979, I discovered there were cows and hogs, and I, I even got called one day to come and help pull a calf. They didn't teach you that in school, amen? And so you go out there and you're pulling, and so I pulled this calf. It was actually my, now my mother-in-law, I didn't at the time, but I pulled this calf, and, and she named it Rogeretta. And then she shipped it off to the butchering, right? There. That hurt. That hurt. I took it personal. But then he also raised pigs. My father-in-law raised pigs. And so, I, again, I am city, man. I, I, so he takes me down to the hog house. I had no, I mean, I was education 101 right there, country living 101. So I went down this hog house. I had no idea. Stink. And I mean, just walking through the hog house, I didn't touch anything. I just walked through. And when I got back up to the house, Brenda said, do not come in. You stink. <laughs> How many of you think that's cold? That's cold. She could have loved on me. So he's down in his hog pen. He comes to himself. He starts thinking about his father. Now, the father never goes after the son. But even though the father didn't go after the son, aren't you glad the shepherd is willing to go out and seek and to save? And aren't you glad that not only is the shepherd willing to go out and seek and to save, that God the Holy Spirit's willing to shine a light in our heart and point us back to God. And so he begins to think to himself, he begins to think about his father's house. You know who that was? That was the Holy Spirit. 
I'm going to tell you, when you're running from God, by the way, you can never run from God because he's everywhere. But isn't it amazing that when you finally come to yourself, the Holy Spirit begins to remind you of the love of God. Not because you deserve it. If there's anybody in the Bible that did not deserve the grace of God, it was this son. I mean, he deserved, I mean, he deserved hard time. He deserved to be in the pig pen with the pigs and eat the pig food. That's what he deserved. But let's see what happens. He says, I will set out and go back to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, against you. God, I am just flat out. I'm not worthy. That's a great place to be because none of us are worthy. Not one of us. And so he had the revelation that he was not worth anything. He just wanted to be a hired servant. So he went up and he went to his father. So here's what happened. So while he was still a great way off, his father saw him. What does that tell you? His father was waiting. As soon as the father saw him, I mean, God gets motivated. The only place I know in the Bible where it teaches God gets in a hurry is right here. I mean, I look at the life of Jesus. I wish one time Jesus were running to get somewhere, just once. But never. He's always taking his time. Here's the time God gets in a hurry. When he sees someone desiring to come back, not because they deserve it, because they don't. But when he sees a broken heart returning to himself, that motivates the heart of God. And the father runs. And unlike Brenda, she didn't run and embrace me. I don't blame her. But anyway, I'm just... He runs and embraces his son. Now, I'm going to tell you, when you just come from the hog pen and you run and embrace him, that's agape love. Because I think, according to the King James, he stinketh. Amen? So he came. He put his arms around him. He kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven against you. I'm not worthy. It's amazing that when you realize that you aren't worthy... God says, okay, I, I want to bless you. Those of us that are performance-driven don't get it. But when you realize you're flat out not worthy, but God wants to give you the kingdom, not based on your performance, but based on his love. That's what the Pharisees didn't get. Why is he hanging around sinners? I, just, I don't get it. I want to tell you, it's sad to go through life and miss it. To miss the grace of God because we're so performance driven. So he says, I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. The father says to him, how many of you would have a little sermonette right there? I told you so. You no good, worthless son. In Jesus' name, of course. How many of you would have a little sermonette for your child? You guys are so godly. I mean, I mean, I can't imagine. But he runs. He says, man, bring a, the best robe, put it on him, a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. We're going to celebrate. If there's anybody that's ever existed that did not deserve a party, it was this guy. But that's the grace of God. The grace of God is you flat out do not deserve. But God loves you so much 
that even though you've squandered your life in areas, that he's willing to celebrate. That he's willing to celebrate if you're willing to come back with a broken heart. It's only when you discover you're not worthy that you become worthy. It's only when you realize you've done nothing to earn the grace of God that all of a sudden you receive it. So they began to have a party, all right? And so the older son gets back. And by the way, I found this. This is kind of a Jewish celebration. I don't know if it's a wedding. But how many of you know Jewish, Jews could never be Baptist because they dance? <laughs> Some of y'all looking nervous, all right? But, we're, but I mean, they were celebrating. I mean, I love to be around over in Israel when you get around a bar mitzvah when they're celebrating. I mean, they dance, they, they jam, I mean, they just, they're free in Jesus. No, well, it's not in Jesus, they're free, all right? And so they're celebrating. The older son comes back, and uh, when he got near the house, he heard music and dancing, all right? How many of you know when you can hear dancing, that's loud. I mean, that's some radical dancing right there. So they're celebrating. How many of you know that God gets pretty excited about one person that comes with a broken heart? All of heaven, all of heaven celebrates. The Pharisees didn't get it. They were criticizing Jesus. He said, oh, you can know the heart of, of God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and God the Father. We're so passionate about every lost soul that do not deserve the grace of God. But that's the grace of God. Sometimes we base God's love on our performance, and that's why we always beat ourselves up. It is so freeing. To know that you will never ever perform enough, but that God loves you just like you are. Yeah, you're a work in progress. He knows that. But he will love you through the process. So they're celebrating. The older brother's kind of struggling with it. Can you, can you understand why? I mean, if you were the brother that stayed home, was faithful to your dad, your other brother took all that inheritance, I'd be a little ticked in the flesh. If I'm being honest, can you imagine him coming back? He's already took his half of the inheritance, and now he's messing with mine. We don't understand the grace of God. Because God wants to give us what we flat out do not deserve. Whew. So he's struggling. The older brother became angry, and I at least understand why. And so his father went out and pleaded with him, and he answered his father, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Isn't that pathetic? That's been me a lot. Kind of calculating who deserves God's grace, and I've done more than they've done. And, and I've, I've, I want to tell you, that's, that stuff is performance-based. I want to tell you the grace of God isn't fair. The grace of God gives to those who least deserve it, which is all of us. We just don't see it. But this son of yours who has squandered his property with prostitutes, he comes home, you kill the fatted calf, and the father says, my son, uh, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead 
and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I don't know of anywhere in the Bible where I see the grace of God any more than right here. And again, if we could just receive that God loves you just the way you are. That the sheep and the coin and the son, none of them deserve God's grace, but his love, his passion is again to bestow his love on that which does not deserve it. And it's really freeing to know that, that we've done nothing to earn the grace of God, but that's agape love. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand together. I just want us in childlike faith to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. I think I have the slide. I'm going to move forward here just a minute. I love the picture of the prodigal here. It looks a lot like it should be on peanuts. All right, let's, let's read this together. Again, one of my favorite verses when I think about grace. Let's just read it. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. How many of you want to reign in life? I, mean, I can't imagine anybody. And you may say, I just don't deserve it. You don't. But God wants to give it to you. And it's only when we say, God, I flat out don't deserve it, but with childlike faith, I want to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. God wants you to enjoy today. God's ready to throw a party today. So I want you to take a minute and just, with childlike faith, just receive that. And so as David plays softly, if you feel comfortable, if you want to raise a hand, I think about a child reaching up to their parent or grandparent. Would you, with childlike faith, and I know you're a mess. I know you're a work in progress. I know you have issues. But God loves you just as you are, not as you should be. And God will love you tomorrow in the process as well. But if you, again, if you wait till you have it all together to receive, you'll never receive on this side. Maybe you're here today and for the very first time in your life, for the very first time in your life, you realize that you're separated from God and you realize God's incredible love. And today, just with a childlike faith, you'll ask him to forgive you and just to come into your life and realize that Jesus died for you on Calvary. Father, we just reach up with hearts. And Lord, there's not a person in this room that deserves the abundance of grace. But I pray with childlike faith, Lord, we wouldn't rely on our performance. But Father, just through your goodness that we would receive that abundance today. Father, help us to celebrate your goodness. Help us to rejoice when you pour out your blessings on publicans and sinners. Help us to know the incredible love that you have for us.
We're going to close with a song in a minute. This week over at Union, they kind of challenged us to think about one person that we can influence. And I thought to myself, after thinking about Luke 15, you know, God reminded us how important every person is. And you know, now that we're on earth, we're his eyes and we're his hands, we're his feet. I want you to think about, and on the way out in the basket in the back, there's these little cars that says, who's my one? Has a little sheep over here on the side. And it says on here, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one who repents. I wonder what would happen if we would all pick out that one person. It may be somebody in our neighborhood that nobody likes. It may be somebody we work with that's kind of the, the outcast, the laughing stock of, the, of work. It may be the black sheep of our family that everybody's avoided. But I wonder what would happen if we would begin to reach out to that one, not because they deserve it, but just to show them the love of God. I want to encourage you to grab one of these and begin to pray about who that one person is that you can impact and begin to pray for them every day, maybe contact them in some way, invite them to come on Easter. We're going to try to present the gospel message. You know, I believe God loves every single person. Again, not because they deserve it, but because he loves them. So I want to encourage you on the way out to grab one of these and just put it in your Bible every day and just be reminded that God wants to use us. Wouldn't it be great if it was said about us over the next couple weeks? That pastor, did you, did you hear he's hanging around sinners? Wow. It's not often enough I get accused of that. I want you to pray about that on the way out.